Hey, Matt. Hey, Mike. Want to do a podcast? Let's do it. All right. hacking the Gibson. We're hacking the Gibson. Deal with it. Uh, today, I think we should talk about, I don't know, technology and like media and stuff. Yeah. Since, well, since we're no longer hacking the Gibson, we can talk about... That's right. We don't have to... We don't, we don't have to... Yeah, we can talk about <laughs> any movie, not just hackers, because that was the only one that I was going to allow us to talk about before. Yeah. We both are programmers. We've both been working in IT for God knows how long. Ever. Like, we're pretty intimately familiar with how technology works and what our role is in it and it in the world. But when it's portrayed on a movie or a TV or in a book, it's not as bad as it used to be where it was like this weird magic box and the people who could interface with computers were wizards. Yep. And it's definitely a lot, you know, I I think, I, I don't know if you would agree that like, you know, something like the iPhone definitely changed kind of the landscape of, like, we all have supercomputers in our pocket and have for, like, a decade and a half now. So it's not as weird to know terminology and maybe how even, you know, the the, the internet works and stuff like that. But Yeah, computers are somewhat ubiquitous now. Yeah. That, whereas, you know, when, say, War Games, which is probably the first oh, that, one that, that I classic rem- Matthew Broderick, yeah. uh, the end of the world. That, that's probably the first, movie. like, computer programmer movie that I remember ever seeing. Yes. Uh it was strange, you know. Ferris Bueller. There's another one where he where he did some magic. Where it, he did some magic with the computers, mm-hmm. right? Basically, he can he can do no wrong with computers. Um, right. But back then, yeah, computers were. I had one, but most of my friends didn't. Right. And I think it was it was a magic box to most people. Now people are more intimately familiar with it. And yeah, I agree. Something like smartphones probably went a long way towards that. Right. I mean, uh, some of the some of the older movies that probably treat technology a little less realistic would be like you mentioned War Games. There was The Net. Oh yeah. Sandra Bullock and you know she, the fact that she was a game tester back in the '90s seems pretty revolutionary for then. I mean, I don't even know if people knew that that was a job you could have. No, and she was testing like a Doom-esque game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but then she like finds some secret in the game that yeah, she's the, not supposed to know. There was some like key symbol or something in the bottom left corner and she clicks it and it like unlocked secrets that she wasn't supposed to have and then she had to go on the run. That was back early enough in the net days right. where people didn't, where people were scared of the internet. Right. This was back when like our parents were like, don't read, don't trust anything you read on the internet. And before they were trusting everything that they read on the internet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the main issue with trying to put te- tech and, and even programming, like, like people programming computers in computer, in media is that because it was more of a niche thing, literally the people making these movies and TV shows did not really even know what they were portraying. So they, so they just had, you know, the stereotype of like someone like in their mom's basement uh, with the lights off, peering into this, you know, glowing screen and hacking the government or something, whatever yeah. that meant, you know. I mean, the, the the idea of hacking something is is definitely, like, not realistic in a lot of media because it's generally 
uh, well, to use hackers as an example, and, you know, the, the hacking the Gibson idea, which was essentially um, talking about a bunch of computer programmers who were able to, uh, you know, break into a supercomputer, which was called the Gibson, thus the phrase, and the way they were portraying it, that was very dramatic, and oh, yeah. they were like breaking into it, and they were showing like computer-generated like animations of like zooming through, I don't know, you know, the computer in like weird towers and lights and flashy things, and it was just like, yeah. but but they most likely, if someone was doing that at the time, were just like looking at text on a screen and typing a bunch of stuff really boringly. But that doesn't make for good TV, right? So I, I assume the way I always interpreted those those visualizations was is that it was this is the way the hackers were interpreting in their minds like they're not actually going into tron land and becoming right. it except for in tron where that actually was the plot right yes <laughs> right but like in general in hacking in hackers i think that that was not supposed to be what the people actually saw i think it was supposed to be their imaginations what was interesting about hackers like in retrospect years later looking back at it is they weren't really hacking in the more realistic sense they were script kitties they were uploading viruses <laughs> they were they weren't like finding back doors in in general mm -hmm. they, they did a couple things that were really realistic in hackers like i remember they did some social networking or some social hacking in there where mm -hmm. like he goes in and like sees the password over, as someone's typing it in he like shows up as a uh as a flower delivery guy mm -hmm. i think they they dig through dumpsters they do some dumpster diving to pull out like printouts that had secrets in it. Some of that was realistic. And then a lot of the, when they actually were to hack the Gibson, they were just uploading viruses Yeah, that were all like super graphical and like had sound effects. And you wouldn't waste your time uploading that, yeah. especially back then when the upload speeds would have been so slow. Yeah. It would have taken forever to upload that yeah. virus. You just want to upload text and nothing yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. So obviously like that's not really what they weren't really hacking. And that's not really what hacking generally looks like. But you know, when you're trying to, to demonstrate it, visually and in an entertaining way like that was what you know hollywood executives thought yeah. would look cool but and because it was new they could get away with it because most people didn't really know what it was even what it was even supposed to yeah. be you know? i mean it needs to be sexy right that's right. what they want right sexy hacking yeah, yeah we need that. we need 3d operating systems right oh my gosh you just made me think of a movie that somehow is not on this you know obviously exhaustive list of examples which was minority report oh i didn't even think of that minority report which which actually i mean th i mean th that i mean that that dealt with uh tom cruise like using like uh like a virtual reality interface where he was actually moving his hand around yeah. to you know instead of like you know uh moving a mouse and clicking on a window and dragging it somewhere he actually moved his hand yeah. and grabbed it and moved it around which is actually something you can do in like Steam VR now. So yeah. that was actually pretty prescient, but I would say a very they don't normally get it that right. Right. Well, and also if you think about it, if if you're a com person using a computer for eight hours a day, you don't want to sit there with your arms up moving things around. It, computer operators would be ripped. Yeah, we want to get jacked. That's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe yeah. it should be like yeah. that, even though we don't want. And he it. wasn't really a programmer. He was just he was just like us, right? He was just like a, a normal person using a computer. Right. Right. <laughs> It just had this really fancy operating system for some reason. Right. But, yeah. And there was also, you know, the, the people who could, you know, tell what kind of crimes people were going to commit. Right. That somehow, thankfully, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. When I think about 3D operating systems, specifically what I was thinking about there was Jurassic Park. And that, that infamous mm. scene where, where Lex sits down at the computer and goes, oh, this is Unix. I know this. <laughs> and then it's like a virtual reality, like flying through. There was like temples and crap that it was like. Yeah. That's the way the files were stored. And look. 
I downloaded a virtual reality file system onto my Windows machine like in the mid 90s at one point just to see what it would look like. And yeah, you could kind of do that. Like, I think that was based on a real thing, but it was so impractical Mm -hmm. and no one would ever actually use that. And the fact that they had that, that's why the park didn't work. (laughs) Right, right. That's why the park didn't work. That's bad ops. Whoever their sysadmin was, Dennis Nedry. We know who their sysadmin yeah, was. Yeah, well, I mean, he got his, his he got what was coming to him. Yeah. I'm just saying, so, you know. Uh, yeah, so an, another uh, one we could talk about is The Matrix. Oh, yeah. Which is huge, and, you know, like, talking about virtual reality, like, essentially a whole virtual world is created on top of the real world, because the real world is horrible. Yeah. And, you know, people, like, you know, actually, like, jack into it by, like, putting a, a piece of hardware into your your body and then putting you into a a you know a virtual realm that which even for the matrix that wasn't like uh the first time the idea of you know a virtual realm or virtual reality realm that you would go into like something like second life or whatnot you know but it definitely was a pretty cool and well-realized version of it that that's certainly what made it mainstream and people like that's when people talk about going into virtual reality because like think about snow crash the book yes right predates the matrix by Forever and like mm-hmm. Neuromancer and all those all those kind of books predate that, but that was the first time it really hit mainstream popular culture in a big way. And like I think Thirteenth Floor came out that same year, mm-hmm. and is a very similar concept. Right. Only in that one, like they were creating a world, and then they were like, spoiler alert, they were in they were also in a simulation themselves, <laughs> and they were like, what? Right. Right. And so it was one of those. Um, what I found interesting about the Matrix was it's it's got this interesting dichotomy of somewhat realistic hacking and programmer portrayals at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. before he takes the pill and right when and, he's working in his office yeah. job you mean yeah. yeah and like his late night like what they showed as like his his interface and when he's hacking there right. kind of actually jived with reality especially at that time and then you know he just controls stuff with his mind once right. he's once he, <laughs> once I he mean, goes I mean, in that's the, the dream yeah. but it was a big leap for, you know, the late 90s or whenever yeah. that came out. Also, this is slightly off topic, but why wouldn't you want to live in the Matrix? Mm-hmm. Well, when the real world looked as if it did, yeah. sure, why wouldn't you? Or even like this. Like, why not? I don't... If everything feels, smells, tastes, like, if all your senses, you know, this gets into philosophy, mm-hmm. right? If I'm a brain in a jar, mm-hmm. why, why would you care? Why not just stay jacked into the Matrix? Mm-hmm. The problem is, of course, they were being manipulated and controlled and lied to. But if you take that part out, right, yeah. why wouldn't you just want to stay in the Matrix? Yeah. Fight the AI off and then just go back in. I'm not going right. to live in the evil lightning world. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, wouldn't you want to be like, you know, I don't know how to fly a helicopter. Wait. Now okay, now I, I do. do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. and Or do crazy, you know, stop motion kung fu. I mean, yeah, yeah all of that stuff is very cool. But, of course, you know that you know, it would be co-opted by some megacorp that would end up ruining it. That's the problem. You know what wouldn't exist in the Matrix? COVID. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe coded. Coded, yeah. Yeah, so that would... uh, Coded 19. Yes, coded 19 and 20 and 21, yes. All copyrights reserved. We're making this movie now. Okay. (laughs) Um, So another uh, another one that is... So there's two movies that we should talk about that are a little bit newer. The one that was a few years ago was Ex Machina. Mm. And that was an interesting movie where essentially some, well, what's his face from one of the newer Star Wars movies? Uh, I forget what his name is. His character name in Star Wars is Poe, and I'm blanking on his real name, but I know it. Oscar something? Oscar Isaacs. Oscar Isaacs, right. So he's basically like a crazy 
super smart genius guy who's living in, you know, the forest in his yeah. hut with his girlfriend or whatever. That's the dream. Right. And he's making, uh, you know, like the best AI ever that he puts into, you know, an android woman yeah. person. Uh, you know, it was a very nice film with good pictures and sound and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. What did you think? Of? I don't know where I was going with that. I really liked that movie. <laughs> um, what I, I think it and things like Terminator and movies like, oh, I just remembered one that's not on our list. Daryl. I don't know if you remember that movie. It was a, it was a, it was a, he was no, a, he was a little kid who was actually an android. Right. Um, but like all of those. Wasn't that called AI? It was D-A-R-Y-L. It was an acronym. Oh, uh, what did it stand um, for? Pop quiz. I remember the Y and L were youth life form. <laughs> uh, but I don't remember the rest of it. Something Android robot. Th- anyway, go Something ahead. like that. Daryl, I what, what, seen that. What all those movies kind of dived into, that was a, a specific like genre of movies that was really dealing with like AI and the ethics of AI yes. and what's life. There's a whole Star Trek episode about that yes. where they debate if is data alive. Right. That there there's a whole genre of movie around that that I find really interesting and is actually a practical relevant thing to be discussing mm-hmm. because as technology progresses, as our skills progress, we will eventually have the capability to have intelligent life. You know, Deep Blue or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that the one that was that the one that was on Jeopardy? Or was yes. that the, yeah. Oh, wait, no, no, no. That or was that, Watson. Watson, right. Yeah. Deep Blue, Deep Blue the was the chess, chess guy. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. We have expert systems. Yeah. At some point, these will become expert enough to pass the Turing test and become AI. And then what? And so the ethics of that really does actually affect programming. I had to take an ethics of computer science class in college. Yeah. Because it matters, um, or it will someday. Well, so so that so that brings up an interesting question. Like, if you are smart enough to program the, I mean, is it technically an android that was being created in Ex Machina? Because it's not a robot. Because a robot is like a machine that looks like a person. I think a robot. Or I is it a robot? An android is a robot that looks like a person. I, I believe is the distinction. I think if it okay. looks like a person. It's an Android. It's an Android. So like data from Star Trek. Yes. Okay. If and it's, it's just a robot, but doesn't try to look like a person, right. it's just a robot. Right. So like C-3PO, R2-D2, those are robots. robots. Or droids. But whatever. They're robots. And if you're a human, but you add mechanical or, or you know stuff to you, then you're a cyborg, right? Yeah. Booyah. Okay. Booyah? Oh, you never watched Teen Titans? No. Oh, you should. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought that was like a weird NBA jam reference. There is a character named <laughs> Cyborg, and that is his catchphrase. Okay. Um, Did he also play NBA Jam? Because that's what I think. Probably. Think, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, we're on fire. We're on fire. Yes. Is what I'm saying. Uh, downtown. Um, oh, right. So if you had to make this AI and then... Like, are, it, but you also had to put like, you know, like, did you talk about like putting like a kill switch in it? Because like, what if it got too powerful? You need to be able to pull the plug. Is there some point where that's not ethical right. anymore to do that? Because you've now created... Well, that, that that's the question, right? Yeah. Is do you safeguard yourself or is that putting limitations on an, on an intelligent, sentient being? Right. Right. We and don't put them in babies, so yeah. why would we put them in androids? Like, if you look at uh, Isaac Asimov, like, mm-hmm. he had the three rules of mm-hmm. of robotics, right? And those were all about, like, don't hurt people, don't don't buy, don't buy, let people get hurt, right. uh, et cetera, et cetera. You right. know, don't let yourself get hurt. Like, they built in safeguards, but then, you know, there's, what if those don't work? Right. Then you have the Terminator scenario. It's a tough question that we probably don't have the answer to. Of course not. I mean, I mean we could keep, you know, drawing about this but, forever. But, but I think this is the interesting part about technology and media. I think you... I think there's really, there's more than two, but the two main kind of camps that I, that I think they fall into is one, you've got somewhat realistic depictions 
or things that are attempting to be realistic but sex sexed up versions of of boring of, concepts of real life hacking yeah, yeah. You know, hackers we mm-hmm. have swordfish listed on there which went way too far we can come back into that yeah um but all those kind of things and then you've got the other side of things where you're diving into artificial intelligence and and things that get way bigger where you actually have like philosophical implications behind technology and i think that's a really important area that that, that media can play with when it comes to technologies they can talk about stories of things that haven't happened yet so we can start thinking about it and getting accustomed to it or planning for it yeah. well in advance. Because, look, are we going to have the Matrix? Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's going to be something like that at some point. Uh, yeah. Hank Green has a couple of great books on uh, that subject. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, An Absolutely Remarkable Thing is the first of those. Um, and, like, there's all sorts of really interesting things to talk about. And then there's the practical side. And then it's just, these are not portrayed realistically at all, right. which I find really interesting. Yeah, the uh, the other new one that I haven't seen that I was just curious about, you mentioned Finch with Tom Hanks. What is that all about? So Finch was interesting. Um, are there birds in it? Is it about a bird? I believe there's a bird in it, but no, it's not about birds. His uh, Tom Hanks' character's name is Finch. Okay. Well, it's his last name. Sure. Um, so in that movie, he, cre- he, he creates some AIs. Um, okay. It's a post-apocalyptic type world and he's building like ais and like creating new life and it's it kind of watches this ai grow and become self-aware and learn and it was really interesting take on Mm. it was one of the more realistic depictions i think of how that would likely progress Mm -hmm. because it clearly had like a neural net but it also you and i were talking before this uh or maybe when when we were talking when we were talking about the net we were talking about that that stupid like Oh, I have to eject the media, mm-hmm. uh, and it's counting but down. I got a copy in the progress bar right. of Doom. It it had that it had that trope <sighs> in it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of a staple. Yeah, it's it's an it's an easy way to get some juicy drama, you know, because where where in in real life watching a progress bar is generally something that you put to yeah. another window while you're doing something else. Yeah. Also, they never do the thing where it says it's going to complete in a certain amount of time, and then all of a sudden bumps up by like a day. Like, this will be done in three minutes. One day in three minutes. What? Yes. No. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen the meme picture with the three-dimensional progress bar. What? Where, so normally you get the two-dimensional progress bar that just goes across the screen, but this one is actually three-dimensional where it actually goes into depth, where he's like, whoa, there's a big bump, but you don't actually see it because from your viewpoint, you're only seeing two dimensions. No, I haven't. But that's why they, they, they vary because of that. Oh, you of just, course. You never see the three-dimensional troughs. And now I know. You should, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Um, so there's also the other side of portraying, uh, uh, tech in the media, which is more, uh, lighthearted. Like for example, some comedies that come to mind are the IT crowd, yep, that great British comedy about the, uh, two guys who are, uh, working the IT help desk and yeah. Jen becomes their new manager. She doesn't realize that they're in the basement and doesn't know anything about IT and that's played for laughs where it's like, oh, these two guys are very stereotypical nerds, geeks, whatever, right. and she's not. And so, you know, ha, 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 how will they interact? But also, uh, you know, uh, you get funny memes like, uh, you know, someone calls the help desk and he's like, have you tried turning it on and back off again? You get the, uh, the box, which represents the Internet. Uh, of, at least that's how they portray it to Jen. And like, you know, you must protect this box at all, all costs because yep. if you don't, the Internet will go down. Um, you know, in general, I think that's great. I think it's, you know, you never want to take anything too seriously. And, and there's a lot of 
stuff in yeah. tech to mine for comedy like that. Yeah, and there's, you know, there there's problems with portraying the nerd class as these, yes. like, socially inept, even if we are generally, you know, playing into stereotypes right. is problematic. It but is. But also, I will say that that show kind of hits the nail on the head mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the type of people that are in that that general world of, of IT and system administration, mm-hmm. having been in that myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. And it was funny. And they and they weren't always the butt of the joke, which I think is important. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, I think actually a lot of the time Jen, who is not the nerd, is yeah. the butt of the joke because she's in their domain and, hey, we rule this kingdom and we know what's going on. You don't. Exactly. So we're going to play that up. Uh, but then there is like something like Silicon Valley, yes, which is a bunch of nerds as well, uh, and they're all programmers. And I would say, and I think you would agree that, despite it being a comedy and playing played for laughs most of the time, uh, it's one of the more realistic depictions of programmers and how they actually go about one creating a startup, actually working on a project, yep. late nights, you know, banding together to figure things out, and then the one thing we wanted to talk about that all. Uh, push over to you is the season one finale <laughs> yeah. which has a an, an amazing scene where the boys come together to figure out a problem yeah so uh in the least spoiler <laughs> uh way possible and also while trying to remain uh somewhat family friendly yes um the entire season kind of builds towards this one meta sex joke uh yeah, for... builds and builds and <laughs> yeah. builds and and like the guys are all kind of like there's this bad moment where like they didn't they didn't get what they wanted the, the thing they've been working towards failing and they start just like bagging on themselves mm-hmm. and talking about and, and they all kind of start yes anding this this stupid joke that they're making and it inspires one of the characters the main character played by Tom Middleditch uh, to like have all of a sudden that like that light bulb moment uh, where he's like oh yeah. <laughs> This is how we can solve the actual problem. Right. So they're talking about something completely unrelated, and then he takes that concept and applies it algorithmically, basically. And that is so true to life. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's so it's so much more realistic in that, you know, the, the original portrayal of, you know, like a nerdy programmer alone in a dark room, just hacking away at a keyboard to like figure out a problem, like, if only he can he can do it by himself. That's not really how it works. Like, right. programmers need to talk to each other just like any other profession yeah. and share ideas and bounce ideas off it. And, you know, they, they start working on, like, a, they start drawing a bunch of diagrams on a whiteboard, things of which we cannot mention. But, uh, you know, it's it's just like any other problem-solving situation where you have to figure something out. It's not just a lone, you know, right. person at a, at, a, at a keyboard and a screen yeah. You know, just trying to figure out. Now, that's not to say that's not always the, the, the way it's all, because actually in that situation, one of them does have to go yeah. by themselves, put on headphones and kind of focus. You know, right. you have to get into that flow state. It's a, Yeah, there's a balance there. Of, yeah. Like, there's the creativity side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, programming is as much art as science right. in a lot of ways. There's the, the problem solving part really does a lot of times boil down to an art right. and just like can I come up with the creative idea of how to solve this? And then implementing it is much more science and engineering, and actually there's some rigor to it, and you need to end up in that flow state of really being able to work head down. Yeah. Um, all right, we have a, another couple minutes. Let's talk about things that are just complete BS that show up. In <laughs> So I'll, I'll give a good one Okay. Uh, that I, I, I wrote down. CSI, right? Has mm-hmm. that... Uh, or maybe it was NCIS. Has Enhance. that, has that in, infamous trope of one person is working on a keyboard 
and another person sits down next to them to help them and starts working on the same keyboard as Doesn't them. Happen. Doesn't work nope. that way. No. Yeah, uh, no, that, that's a great one. Uh, I think we sort of mentioned the other one before of uh, the progress bar of Doom yep. being like this dramatic moment of like, if only that file can copy fast enough. And it's usually either, like, it almost always goes like at, at a rate that is just like infuriating because progress bars are infuriating. Yeah. But but just that, like that's always what it comes down to is like, can that file get uploaded in time? And like, that's that's not really generally the point of contention in a programmer's life. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I mentioned to you offline, uh, so I'll mention it here, that bothers me in just in general about detiction, uh, depictions of smart people mm-hmm. is that all smart people know how to write computer programs. Mm-hmm. So like Big Bang Theory, they wrote uh, they wrote an iOS game. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, no, not that easily. That that it isn't its own area of study. You know, right. I know a little physics. Yeah, they can know a little bit of software engineering. They probably don't know both. Right. right, that kind of thing, but it that's ubiquitous. You go to the resident smart person, and they know biology, chemistry, physics, computer science. They know mm-hmm. all the things. That's unrealistic. Yeah, like like the the fact that we have you know uh, front end web designers, back end uh, web designers, database managers, uh, DevOps, customer service. Like you can be a computer person and know lots of things yeah. that have nothing to do with programming, and it's not just like. Everybody has that skill. So, yeah, yeah, that's definitely a trope. I mean, you and I have each been doing this for about 20 years at this mm-hmm. point, and I can't do all of the things that you just mentioned, at least not well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the other thing I wanted I wanted to mention real quick, besides tropes, is we've talked about TV and movies, but I just wanted to mention one book that I just recently read called The Phoenix Project, which is kind of a half novel, half technical manual. Like, if you were trying to get the idea of, like, how to run IT operations in a company, but you also wanted to tell a story. Mm. Um, it was recommended to me by my wife, actually, who's read it many times. And it has a companion book that I'm in the middle of called The Unicorn Project, which is essentially the same story, but told from the dev side. So the first one is all about, like, you know, the IT of operations and the VP of sales and uh, and the infosec person, like, essentially... Uh, a, a an auto parts a major auto parts company is trying to revamp themselves because they're losing to the competition and they have this thing called the Phoenix Project which is, which is essentially going to revamp their company and bring them into the 21st mm. century and bring all the stuff that used to be uh, you know not online online but it involves everybody in the company and it's going terribly and blah 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 and eventually they figure it out but you go, sounds realistic yeah yeah you, <laughs> you go through you know like like the people who are not actually doing the operation are saying okay this thing needs to go live tomorrow and everybody else is like that's insane that makes no sense but somehow they, they figure it out and and right now like i said i'm reading the unicorn project which is about one of the main developers who gets thrown on that project uh much to her chagrin and you know she's essentially a rock star programmer but is having problems because uh, w- w- one of the, the things that I want to get across is that, yes, you may know how to program really well, but the thing that she runs into is not being able to even get a development environment set up so that she can <laughs> test the thing that's supposed to be going live at the end of the week. And she spends the a first week just talking to people, reading documentation, sending emails, trying to get you know authentication, licenses, repo access... And she hasn't even written a single line of code, and that's, yet she's a programmer. That's the most realistic depiction of program I've ever heard about. Yes. But, I, 
Sorry, go ahead. I, no, I was going to say, I was going to throw out a couple books that I thought were reasonably realistic, but that way, that way you just described is the most realistic <laughs> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I would definitely uh, recommend the book. Uh, it does get a little, uh, um, I don't want to say preachy, but it, be, it leans a little too much, at least the Phoenix Project does, on the technical, like, uh, you know, Six Sigma, blah, 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 oh, all that stuff. you know, yeah. lean, all that kind of stuff. Like it definitely gets uh, technical and jargony and moves away from the novel. Uh, but, but I would say, you know, it, it's a pretty unique book in that it tries to thread the needle between the two of those. And I'm really, really loving the dev side just because that's what I'm more into. And I, I'm curious to see how that both progresses, but also interweaves because she's meeting the people from the first book in meetings you know, at, at sort of like a parallel timeline at the same time. So uh, I, I would recommend both of those books. Nice. Uh, I'll throw out two book recommendations as well. Uh, neither is quite that realistic from what you described. But, <laughs> but maybe still fun. Uh, one that is, uh, both of them I enjoyed a lot. One of them is called Microsurfs. Um, and that one did a really good job. It was the first time I really saw the depiction of like a software engineer's life described well it's really it's it's people that work at microsoft and then they split off to like do their own thing mm -hmm. um and it's it's fictional but it i felt like it really captured that that sense of being that kind of person well and then the other one that's a little bit more uh divorced from reality but also i thought nailed it when it came to depictions of software and, and programming was cryptonomicon by neil stevenson mm -hmm. um and that in two different uh decades basically Shows shows that you know at like really early like ENIAC time uh, <laughs> computer programming and then like modern day and there's even a, a pretty good explanation of like a sorting algorithm that he shows by using a deck of cards at one point in time in it and I I felt like both of those were were easily graspable by anyone like either of those books could be picked up and people could read them and kind of get a feel for that mm -hmm. for our type of work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think to wrap it up, the, the, the role of a programmer in popular media uh, is definitely hopefully going more towards the realistic side now that they're, it's not such a niche thing. And, you know, even people who work in tech who aren't programmers are probably more uh, encouraged to at least understand programming. You know, I mean, the fact that we have the term DevOps yep. at all is sort of like, you know, what would, would, what would used to have been an unholy marriage between these two disparate, like, disciplines is now like, no, 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 we have to work together to make it happen. And thus, hopefully media stops treating, you know, lone programmers uh, in, in the darkness and more towards something like Silicon Valley or the Phoenix Project. Like, no, this is, this is a normal thing. It's, it's part of every company. It's, uh, it, it's, it's cool to be a programmer. Yeah, it is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, thanks for joining us for Hacking the Grepson uh, and us talking about uh, some technology and media. We now return you to your regularly scheduled lives already in progress.